it's through 1 Corinthians 15. We've been talking about the resurrection hope, that the hope that Christ brings through his resurrection, how we can have hope for the future and for now. So we've seen many aspects of Paul's arguments for the resurrection, that it did happen, why it was necessary to happen, how it affects us as Christians, and how vastly important it is to the Christian faith. Because it's what all of our hope rests on. And if, if the resurrection didn't take place, then we're all just wasting our time. So this is kind of the, the third and the last piece of, the, of these little group of verses um, and the last two sermons that Pastor Cody and Brock did. Um, we've been talking about our glorified bodies in the resurrection. What are, what are they going to look like? What's our glorification going to be like and how all this kind of takes place? Um, and although we don't have a lot of specifics as to what everything's going to be like, we know that God has given us everything that we need. Um, and the point being is that we know our bodies will be made perfect and in his image. And that's kind of the, the main idea for tonight is that we know our bodies will be made perfect and that they will be in his image. So there's a great verse that gives us comfort and kind of some clarity to this too. It's in 1 John 3 verse 2. I'm going to read that for y'all. It says, Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. From this verse, we know that God will make us and our glorified bodies fit for living in his presence. What an awesome thought to be there standing, looking at Christ and just knowing that we can have fellowship with him, that there's nothing in between us. That's exactly what they've talked about for the last two sermons. A glorified body that's not just free from, from pain and sickness and all these ailments that we even just mentioned, but that it's free from the sickness of sin. Brock talked about the comparisons of the different, of the different animals and how God has made them each for their specific purses, purposes and that the sun, moon, and stars, how they're, how they're all different, but that they work together flawlessly. This is the same God that has promised to make us these glorified bodies. And although we might not know exactly all the details, we know that if he can do that and if he can, that he can be trusted to see us through in our glorified bodies too. Pastor Cody went through four big comparisons and we see in the verses before what we're going to study tonight, they were, they were corruption versus incorruption, dishonor versus glory, weakness versus power, and natural versus spiritual. And through that, we saw how our bodies are frail, how they're decaying, and they're just absolutely filled with rebellion against God. But now we can, we can look forward to our perfect spiritual bodies, and we're going to be able to walk in perfect harmony with God. No longer will we have this, this weight of sin dragging or this, or this divide placed between us and God. All the shortcomings of our sin, all that's going to be eradicated and we're going to live in fellowship with God. So tonight we're going to look at this kind of final comparison and that's Adam versus Jesus. Let's read the text together before we go any further. We start in um, verse 45. <clears throat> It says, the first man, Adam, became a lip, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust, and the second man is of the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Let's pray. 
Dear Lord, I thank you for your word. I just thank you for the, for the promise that you've given us, Lord, just of this, Lord, this glorified body. I pray, Lord, that you would just bless your word as we look into it, Lord, that you guide, guide my thoughts, guide my mouth, and Lord, that all this would just draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Get a drink real quick. So as we can see from the verses we just read, it's, it's Adam versus Jesus. It's the first man versus the second man. It's the dust versus the heavenly. And just for some reference and some context, I want us to look at um, some verses we studied about a month or so ago, um, verses 21 and 22, and just kind of lay some framework. 21 says, For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So in Adam, he was the first man. We all die. And in Jesus, the second man, comes the resurrection from the dead. It's obvious that there's, there's, simply, there's no measuring up to God. But yet so many people back in this day thought that they could. And honestly, it's the same in our society today. So let's just let's look into this passage and try to get all we can from God's word. Our first point of comparison between Adam and Jesus is going to be life receiving versus life giving. Look at verse 45. And see, it says, it says, so it's written, Adam became a living being. So this is a direct reference back to Genesis 2-7. Don't you just love how, how the New Testament and Old Testament work together so well? How the New Testament is just, it's filled with Old Testament references, but yet the Old Testament points perfectly towards the new. But in Genesis 2-7, it talks about how God formed man from the dust of the ground and, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul we see that the point being is that Adam was the recipient of this life. He wasn't in charge. It wasn't anything up to him. It was just dust that God put together. He didn't do anything to be put in this position. It was all God's work. And as creation, he was subject to God creator. But what God did after he made Adam, he formed this covenant relationship with him. Adam was to rule over God's creation and he was to walk in fellowship with God. God was a sovereign creator, and Adam was the subject. But we all know what happened, right? Adam failed. He broke the bond with God. He failed to live under the simple laws that God had given him because he wanted to be like God. And just like it says in, in verse 21 and 22, all those that follow after Adam die along with him. We're God's enemies from birth. We know this again because of these comparisons that we've been referencing. We're corruptible, we're weak, and we bear dishonor in front of a holy God. I know we all like to think that, man, Adam's just so dumb, right? He had everything right there. He had God right in front of him. It's like we would never be so foolish as to do something like that. But look at, look at our lives. We do, we do the same thing every day. I mean, even, even the Apostle Paul talks about his struggle, about he does... He does the things that he doesn't want to do, and he doesn't do the things that he does want to do. And if Paul struggles with this, I know we're all going to struggle with it because we all want to be king of our own lives. So we, we wrestle with giving up that control. Even if it's something that we know that God's commanded for us to do, if it's something that kind of goes against our grain or what we're naturally bent to, we're going to want to take control of that and not do that, even though it's clear cut in the scriptures. We're most definitely, we're in this natural weak and corruptible body. And there's no, there's no argument against that. But compare this, compare this to Christ. So Adam received life in his body of no work of his own. 
But look at how it describes Christ here. It says he was a life-giving spirit. He wasn't bound by a body created from earth. He created the earth. And he's come to give us a new spiritual life. There's, there's tons of passages stating how this was God's goal in sending Jesus to earth. But I just want to look at a few. John 10.10 says that Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. John 6.39 and 40 says, This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. That's our resurrection hope. That's what this whole study has been about, is God raising us up in the last day. We have this security knowing that if we're in God, that nothing is going to change that, not even death, not even the grave, is going to take us away from our standing with him. One more verse I want to look at, Romans 8, verse 11. It says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is that life-giving spiritual work that he's promised. This was Jesus' mission. The whole reason he came to earth, it was to bring us life and to redeem us from our fallen state that we are in Adam and to give us this hope in the resurrection. Let's move to verse 46. So the comparison here is the natural first versus supernatural second. Verse 46 says, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. So he's, he's setting up the order here. So there's, there's several places, even the last time that, that I preached, it was a lot about order. These facts were important for, for Paul to understand, to explain to them so that they would understand. Um, understanding the truth matters. The doctrine we believe in matters. Our theology matters. And we shouldn't take that lightly. It shouldn't be enough for us just to kind of understand a few kind of basic concepts and just kind of have our church and whatever we can find on the internet kind of fill in these gaps and just kind of, kind of, you know, trust other people's and what they say and just kind of go with the flow. We should be able to know what we believe and why we believe it and, and show people in scripture that's in context on why we believe it. But that takes work, doesn't it? So us being in a natural body, to me, that, that just seems obvious, right? We're, we're all here in our human bodies. We're imperfect. We're decaying slowly. Our weaknesses are obvious compared to God. And we're just filled with sin. There's, not, there's really not much argument for this point, but the ideas of, of that day, they, they were kind of against it. So let me look here. We're just like our father Adam and light lies. We're destined for the same future. That's death in this perishable body. We see that there's hope after the natural body, but it's that second spiritual body that's made available. The Bible is clear for the order in several different passages. It says um, that if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, that old things are passed away and that all things are become new. Those, that old, that first natural body's passed away. The whole conversation with D Jesus and Nicodemus about you must be born again. It wasn't another physical birth. It wasn't into that natural body, but that spiritual, that new birth. There's a definite order. And this goes against that, that Gnostic and that cultural idea of that, that we're all good spiritual beings and just we're kind of held down by this, this flesh. But that's false. We are in Adam. We're in these natural bodies, and they're wicked to their core. 
Next verse goes on to explain this even further. Um, Verse 47, this talks about being made of dust versus being sent from heaven. 47 says, the first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord of heaven. So Adam was made from the dust. Again, showing he's that recipient of the creation work. He wasn't the doer. But look what it says about Christ. It says he was the Lord from heaven. He's the uncreated being. Not of this world, but spiritual. He's that life-giving God. He's making this comparison so black and white for us. Dust versus heaven. And it's not even close, is it? Who in their right mind would choose dust over the glory of God? And again, that's just like Adam. It's, it's easy for us to say that, to step back, and who, who would do that? But when we look at our lives practically, is that really the case in our lives? Like, what are, what are we really chasing after? What direction are our lives aimed? Where if we didn't change course, where's your life going to be in the next five years? Are you closer to God or further away? So many of us, we fill our lives with the dust of this earth. And we fill it up so much to where there's no room for anything we can put heavenly in our life. I, I struggle with this. We get so busy. We get so involved. And there's so much just screaming for our attention that we're just reacting to it, right? And we're just constantly just taking care of these problems. Whatever comes up. And we just fill our lives up with that. In our, in our Sunday school class, we've been talking about meditation and memorizing and applying and just, you know, evangelism. Any, anything that we can do serving the church or growing closer to God. And yet, what, what's our excuse or our reason for not doing these things most of the time? It's because we're busy, right? Well, that's, that's, not, that's not a good excuse. We have to make time. We have to set priorities. And we have to make that what we're truly chasing after. My biggest, my biggest worry for my life is that I get to the end with a fistful of dirt and just a heart full of regret that I didn't seek God enough, that I didn't serve him enough because I was chasing after that dirt. What are you seeking after? The next comparison is about following our earthly father versus our heavenly father in verse 48. It says, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. As is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. Again, back to, back to verse 21 and 22. We're going to look like our father. We all have some sort of family resemblance, right? Like I, I look a lot like my dad. We even have a lot of the same kind of personality traits. I'm excited to see what my son's gonna look like. You know, is it, what are we gonna have in common? There, there's some stuff I really hope he's more like his mama than me too. But we'll see. But Adam's, he's past more than just his facial features, right? We have this, this natural body in the dust, but what's, what's been passed on to us is, is the consequences for sin. We're under this curse. Let's, let's look at this curse. It's in Genesis 3. It says, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return. That's depressing, isn't it? You come out of the dirt, you're going to eat from the dirt, and then you're going to go back into the dirt. But life is, it's, it's, it's just like a survival. And we, we just call it the, the circle of life. But the second part of verse 48 here states that those who are in Christ, those who are in this second heavenly man, we're going to be made like him. 
This is, this is our resurrection hope, that if we're in Christ, that the grave is not the end for us, that we have more purpose than just to live, work, eat, and die. There's more to life than that. Our lives are more than survival. We have a heavenly plan from God for our lives here on earth and for eternity with a glorified body in his presence. All right, let's look at the last verse and the final point, being bearing the image of the earthly man versus the heavenly man. 49 says, and as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. This is a promise to those that are in Christ. But notice, notice the certainty of his tone here. Notice that the promise of just as, just as you, you bear the image of Adam, just as you're in this body, just this real body, if that exchange has been made and you're God's child, you most surely will have a resurrected body in Christ's image. We're gonna bear Christ's image. There's not gonna be any sin, pain, or death. Everything that Adam brought onto us, that curse, the sin that we're born into, the sin that we struggle with, all that's just gonna be a bad memory. This should bring hope to the believer. For all the, all the struggles that we go through in this life, we can have hope that it's not always gonna be like that that we're not always gonna be surrounded by this sin. We're not gonna have these struggles and just the defeat that we live under. One day, everything's gonna be made right. But until then, we can rest in this promise, in this resurrection hope for strength to get through our lives today. So in conclusion, I just want us to get a couple takeaways from this. First and foremost, there's just a huge call for the gospel here. Time and time again, it says that all those that are in Adam will die they're all gonna return to dust. This isn't just a warning of something that could happen. This is something that will happen. Death is a sure thing, and there's nothing we can do to escape it. But also what I want us to notice is there's nothing we can do to change our standing with God. We can do all kind of good works. We can, we can build stuff up that we can have our hope in. But what we have to realize is nothing we can do on this earth is gonna change our standing from earthly to heavenly. An earthly person doing earthly works does not equal heavenly. There has to be that exchange that only someone heavenly can give to us. We cannot make ourselves right with God. We need that perfect heavenly sacrifice from someone who's not on this earth. And this is exactly what Christ did for us and what he's calling out for us and offers to each and every one of us today. This whole passage just begs the question is, who are you in? Are you in Adam? Are you in Christ? Because we're all born into Adam. As I said, that, that natural body, that comes first. We're all there. But have you been born again? Has Christ done this transforming work in your life? Has he took it, taken your sin? Has he paid the debt and credited you with his righteousness? It seems like no matter where we're studying through, you can always kind of have that spectrum of the gospel and see how Christ is calling us to himself. The second thing I want us to see is just the certainty for the believer, that, that hope that we can have, that we will bear his image. That's this, whole, that's this whole resurrection hope. Not looking for hope for something here on earth, not some, looking for for our future, or when we get to this point, when we get to this position, when we have this possession, not looking for our hope here on earth, but looking for the hope in Christ. 
And that's, that's really where we get messed up. We cling to things around us that we can see and that we feel like we can have control of. But if we truly have our hope resting in the resurrection and Christ's ultimate victory, it won't matter what comes in our lives, no matter what struggles or hardships or pain. It, does, it's not, it doesn't say that it's going to be easy, but it means that we will have that ultimate victory in the end. So we started off by looking at 1 John 3, verse 2. And I'd, li- I'd like to go back and just read that again and then add verse 3. It says, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So this is, a, this is our application kind of for this. This is our call to action, knowing that we're going to be made like Christ. This is why it's so important for us to have this, this hope and realize that God's plan doesn't start at our glorification in heaven. Look what it says. It says, beloved, now we're the children of God. Salvation doesn't start in heaven in our perfect glorified body. That's the, that's the completion of our salvation. We're God's children now. God has a plan for your life right now. If we're to bear God's image in the future, then we're to bear it now as well. Let's purify ourselves knowing that we no longer belong to ourselves, that we belong to this, this heavenly king. Let him do his work in you and have him sanctify your life, making, him, making you more like him. It's a call to work, isn't it? Like that's, that's not easy, but, but it's also a gift that God would just give us just a glimpse of heaven here on earth, that he's not gonna say, okay, we have this hope here in the future, but you gotta wait till the end of your life to see that. But no, he's like, we're gonna go here, but I'm gonna make you more like myself now. I'm gonna walk with you till we get there. He hasn't left us on our own. I mean, even, even apart, that gift of eternity set, to, set aside, the gift of salvation here in this life is worth it, isn't it? To have God walking with you every day. If we know where we're going, if we're keeping that prize in mind, that resurrection hope, it's gonna change how we walk in our daily life. If we see ourselves as a, as a heavenly child of the king, we're not gonna be rolling around in the dirt of the earth. God has so much in, more in store for us than that. Don't, don't settle, but seek your heavenly father's face today. Let's, let's look to him. Let's look forward to this hope and live with that promise of our glorified body, knowing that we're gonna be able to live in his presence one day. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word and just for your promise of this glorified body, Lord, that not only will be free from this, just the struggles and the sickness and the pain, Lord, and just the, just the consequences of our sin, Lord, but that, Lord, that we'll be able to live with you in heaven forever. I just thank you for the gift of that promise and just for the hope that it brings us even today. I pray, Lord, that we would that we would bear your image now, Lord, that we wouldn't wait, Lord, to bear your image when you give us that glorified body, but Lord, you would sanctify us and grow us to be more like you every day. Lord, I pray for um, just, the, just the call of the gospel that this gives to us, Lord, that we, would, that we would see you calling out, Lord, and if that's something that we have accepted and if it is a reality in our lives, Lord, that we would just be sharing that with others. Lord, I just thank you 
again for this time. I ask you to bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen.